Hi, everyone. Thanks for checking out the Thrive Podcast. We are the Young Adult Ministry at Maranatha Bible Church, and we meet on Wednesdays at 730 in our Family Life Center. If you enjoy this podcast, we'd love for you to post it to your Instagram story and tag us at NBC Thrive on Instagram. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you enjoy. Well, welcome to Thrive, guys. I'm glad that you are all here. Um, If you were here last week, we had a game night. I hope you all enjoyed it. I did. Uh, I got my butt kicked in Euchre, but that's okay. You lose sometimes, I guess. Um, But uh, yeah, so we're back into our Hot Topic series today, definitely, um, with sexual immorality. Um, And I want to make a disclaimer before I get started. Um, I... When I was preparing this, there are so many passages in Scripture that deal with this issue that it was hard for me to be selective on what we're going to talk about tonight. But I am under the book on this one, and which means that I'm sticking with what the Bible says on this. So we're going to go along, and if you have questions at any time, like afterwards or anything, you can always ask me, ask someone that came with you, or we have that anonymous number that you guys can text in, which I hope will be on the screen at the end. So. Um, with that being said, let's pick up where we left off last week um, with this idea of sin is not as it was intended to be from the beginning. So, and when I think about something being as not as it was intended to be, it brings me back to my freshman year of college. Um, some of you in here might be freshmen in college, um, and that was a very, like, uh, hopeful time for me in my life. Um, so... I thought I was exactly where I wanted to be, exactly where I was intended to be. I was at college playing football, making my parents the most proud of me that they could ever be proud of me, I thought, which wasn't actually true. But I got named to the starting roster on my football team, and it was really cool. And I was like, all right, this is great. Everything's going the way that I planned it. This this is great, right? And I don't know if you guys know what this is, but... I was on the defensive line, and we were doing one-on-ones, which means you line up across from another offensive line, and you try to get around them, get to the quarterback. And as I'm doing this, I take a wrong cut, my knee gives out, um, and my knee was literally where it wasn't intended to be because it popped out of place, and my, uh, yeah, it was not fun. They had to pop it back into place on the field. It was just, yeah, it didn't feel good. But my leg was not as it was intended to be, as it was created, and also, the plan that I had to play football, beat All-American, all that dumb stuff, and make my parents proud was not going to go the way that it was intended to be. God had a different plan for my life. Um, and I feel like for a lot of us, sin makes us like try to plan our lives like the way that it isn't intended to go, and we do things that we're not intended to do because of sin in our own lives. And, it helped, and sin takes our focus off of God and uh, we don't work the way we're supposed to, like a leg with a dislocated knee, because this sin has crept into our lives. Um, and with this idea of sin um, not being as God intended us to be, um, let's get into this uh, idea of sexual morality. So before we can even get into like why sexual morality is like sinful, let's define like how sex was supposed to be. So um, we see... In the Garden of Eden, this is where it's first talked about, um, Genesis 2:24. it says, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his w- wife, and they shall become one flesh. And that term, becoming one flesh, meaning that sex is a bonding act between man and wife to 
uh, make them closer and to become this one flesh. That is how God created sex from the Garden of Eden from the beginning of time was to be between a man and wife in, the, uh, in, in this marriage relationship, to be bonded and to become as one. So, now that we have a definition of what sex is intended to be, let's talk about the sin of sexual morality or things that are outside of this marriage picture that was created perfectly in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve. So what is sexual immorality? That is the question. Um, let's read, actually read some verses about what the Bible has to say about it. So um, in Matthew 5.28, it says, and this is Jesus talking, but I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his own heart. So here, Jesus is talking to a crowd of people, and he's saying, even the thought, even the lustful thought, you've already committed this sin in your own heart. So you, anybody in here, if you look at somebody and you think about them in that way, we, that would fall under the category. Even the thought falls under the category of sexual immorality. So Jesus even takes it a step farther here because it's an issue of the heart. Um, all right. And next we have 1 Corinthians 6.18. Now, notice that the first part it says actually to flee from it. That doesn't actually help with our definition. But if the Bible says to flee from something, it's probably a big deal to stay away from it, right? Flee from sexual morality. Um, and it's, after that it goes, every other sin a person commits is outside the body, but the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. Yeah, so this is definitely a serious sin issue when it's something that is against your own body and against, it hurts your relationship with God when you sin in this way, um, which every sin does, but it's different with the sin of sexual morality because it's against your own body. Um, so based on these verses we read and kind of like our working definition here, um, sexual immorality is a sin that is both a physical act, which is any type of sex, and, or a thought process, which is lust, outside of marriage, and when it's acted upon can cause a rift, kind of divide, in a relationship between you and God. Um, kind of that sinning against your own body type thing right there that they said in uh, 1 Corinthians 6.18. So with this working definition going forward, I'm going to get into our main passage tonight, which is going to be uh, 2 Samuel here, and we're going to look at the story of David and Bathsheba. Um, but before we even get into that, I want to look at this person, David. So if a lot of people in here have probably heard of David before, but let's take a look at him. David of the Bible. Um, so this man, David, um, he was defined as a man after God's own heart. Um, he was a young man who had a lot of faith in God, faith enough to go against Goliath. And what happened when he had this faith? God delivered Goliath into his hands. He struck him with the smooth stone in the forehead, was able to chop his head off. He was delivered into his hands. Um, and of course, God did deliver in this moment for him. And he had the faith here. And when David was anointed as king, and King Saul, the guy that was the king before him, wanted to kill him, who did David turn to? He turned to God. And King Saul, in this process, he's angry and he's trying to kill him, and he's running around and all this stuff. And David's crying out to God, and he's trusting God even in these moments with 
all this stuff going on. So what picture I'm trying to build here is David was a man after God's own heart, that he trusted with God, or trusted in God and had faith in him. He was a man after God's own heart. But he even let this sin of sexual immorality creep into his life. And I think that can happen for any one of us in this room. We can let this sin creep into our lives. Even someone who would be defined as a person after God's own heart. Um, so this story of David and Bathsheba is in 2 Samuel 11. Um, oh, but, but also I wanted to add this. So, uh, so letting this sin creep into his life um, he became desensitized to the sin. So for him, it was customary back in that day uh, to actually take a lot of wives and concubines if you were a king. And David would know and that it was contrary to God's law to have more than one wife. He would know that. It was in Deuteronomy, it was in the commandments. It's, you, I mean, he should have known this. This is something that would be a no-brainer for him because he would have known the law. He would have known God's law. He was a man of faith. And so he became desensitized in this area of sin. He let this creep in. He took many wives, many concubines, um, which is this direct contradiction. And to be applicable for us here, um, we get desensitized every single day. So we can just be scrolling through our TV and see as much of, um, you know, inappropriate videos, images, IG, we're just scrolling through half nude people on there, like, it's a real thing. Um, and we get desensitized to this all the time. So, for us as Christians, I think it's important to be careful what we're laying our, what we are looking upon, because we get desensitized to these sin issues that we should not be desensitized to. Um, and in Psalms 119.37, it says, Turn my eyes from looking at worthless things and give me life in your ways. And that's my prayer for you guys is that um, we'd be able to turn th from things that are worthless or things that would desensitize us in these issues of sin and actually turn to things that would give us life. Turn to God. Turn to him. And seek life from the person who gives it, which is the person of Jesus. Um, so now I'm actually going to get into the passage. Uh, this is... Uh, verse 1 here in 2 Samuel 11. So it says, In the spring of the year, the time when kings go out into battle, David sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel, and they ravaged the Ammonites and besieged Rabbah. But David remained in Jerusalem. So we see here, just in verse 1, that David is chilling. He's just at home doing his own thing, and I gotta say it, like, and it's easy for me on the outside, but like, if my people are out of war, why, are, why would you not be out with them, David? Like, I don't care if you're like in your midlife, 40s, 50s, whatever you are, you need to be out at war with your people. I don't care how much military victory you had, you need to be out at war with your people. And um, he's not ready to go, he's relaxed, but you know who is ready to go? The devil. Um, and in 1 Peter 5, 8, it says, Be sober-minded and be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. And we see that the devil is about to pounce. He's about to pounce on David right here. And um, for us, when we get relaxed, so we're at home, it's late at night, we're scrolling, 
um, we don't have this defense up as much as we should. When we're tired, we don't have this defense. Um, if you're late at night with your, whoever your significant other is, and even if you have boundaries, there may be times where you're relaxed, you don't have your guard up as much as you should, and you fall into temptation. That is a real thing. Um, and when you get relaxed or you get that you're not on guard, it's easy for us to fall into temptation. And we see that David here is not being watchful. He's relaxed and he's guarding his heart. Well, I guess he is being watchful of Bathsheba, getting a, trying to get an exclusive sneak peek, but um, not a <laughs> the right type of watchful, let me say. So the sin here that David commits of sexual immorality is actually in verses uh, two through five. So, uh, and the text says, it happened late one afternoon when David arose from his couch and was walking on the roof of the king's house that he saw from the roof a woman bathing and the woman was very beautiful. And David sent and inquired about the woman. And one said, is this not Bathsheba, the daughter of Elam, the wife of Uriah, the Hittite? So David sent messengers and took her. And she came to him, and he lay with her. Now she had been purifying herself from uncleanliness. Then she returned to her house, and the woman conceived, and she sent and told David, I am pregnant. So even with how we're talking about this thing being a process for David, you know, he, he was desensitized, he was relaxed, all these things. David still had the chance to say no to this sin. But he gave in to his desire. He gave in to his lust. Um, and we see in this sin, there was, there's three, three things that happened. He saw, he saw Bathsheba. He was trying to get that exclusive sneak peek. He inquired about her. He was asking about, and then he's like playing with this sin. He's like, oh, well, maybe this could be a thing. This could happen. And then three, he actually gives in to his lustful desires. So, and and even that in itself was a process. He saw, he, he really dwelled on that, that sight, and he didn't let it go. And he chased it down, he gave in to his lust. Um, and he ultimately committed adultery. And, which he, he obviously shouldn't have done because he was a married man after all. And when he sinned, he, like, he completely falls into this here. And it's almost like he forgets, like, what God had brought him through. Like, God was so faithful to David, all these things he'd done for him. And, like, it's almost like he forgets, like, what God's law for him was and what, what he was supposed to do according to him and what the consequences could even be if, if this were to happen. And I think this brings me to a very relatable quote from Dietrich Bonhoeffer, and Christian, correct me later if I pronounce that wrong, uh, that I heard about lust. <laughs> At this moment, God loses all reality. Satan does not fill us with the hatred of God, but with forgetfulness of God. And this is talking about the sin of lust. So I feel like a lot of times for us, we don't, it's not that we hate God when we sin. It's not that we're, hey, I hate God today, so I'm going to sin. A lot of times it's, hey, we're drawn in by this desire, and we we forget, like, hey, this is what God has done for me. I know what the consequences are, but I'm so enticed by this, I'm going to fall into it. And it's almost like you forget 
about who God is and what he has done for you. And we get filled with our lust and filled with our passions instead of being filled of the spirit like we should be. Um, and now, in verse 5, we see that this sin that David committed, it results in this consequence here. Now, Bathsheba's pregnant. And now, what I'm going to like kind of go through with you guys, I'm not going to go straight into the text, but basically, David invites his or her husband over and like has drank with him all these things and gives him a letter and on this letter that Uriah has to to give to Joab tells Joab hey I want you to put Uriah at the front at the front of the lines pull all your forces back and let this dude die so Uriah just like the irony in that he's giving him it's like almost like Shakespeare or something he's like giving him this letter to deliver about his own death like it I just, it's crazy how, like, David just fell. Like, he starts to try to cover up his sin. And for us, we do this at times. Hopefully, hopefully we're not, you know, committing adultery and then trying to cover it up with murder. But (laughs) what I'm trying to say, though, is that sin grows in the dark. And a lot of times that... um, we will try to hide our sin and cover it up. So, which is very true. And this is why it's so important to have someone you can talk to, an accountability partner, a friend, just someone that, hey, I'm struggling with this. Hey, can you be praying for me about this? Or even when the sin might rise, hey, this moment might come up. Can you pray for me that later, when I'm with my significant other, that we'd be wise and we'd stick to our boundaries and not fall into temptation. Or um, with porn, meeting with somebody, having accountability, having safeguards in your life, uh, knowing when to like put your phone up, all those type of things. Um, don't let your sin grow. Expose it. Expose your sin. Don't let it hide. Don't let it stay in the dark. It's going to grow if it stays in the dark. So, some applications from this tonight. Um, be wise about what you lay before your eyes. So, like we talked about earlier, this is the desensitization piece of it. With movies and like IG, TikTok, you can be scrolling, and within an instant, you're seeing like half nude pictures of somebody. And just be careful and be wise about what you're laying before your eyes. Um, and don't dwell. If those things come up, swipe real quick, throw your phone, get it out of there. And that's actually part of my next application to be on guard. So uh, in the Old Testament, there's a man named Joseph. And there was a moment where he was serving under a guy named Potiphar. And his wife, um, she, she wanted Joseph, okay? She wanted him, had him by the tunic, and he fled. There is biblical truth to sometimes, even when you're on guard, you cannot, you cannot beat the sin. So you've got to flee. You've got to run. Like we said earlier in 1 Corinthians, it even says that too, flee from it. Sometimes you just got to get out of there. If, if you're starting to struggle and get tempted, be away. Get out of wherever you are. Go somewhere else. Do something else. Get your mind off of it. If, if you're alone in your room, maybe go downstairs. Do something. Get out of where you are. Flee from your sin. Um, and just like I said, don't keep 
sexual sin or any sin for that matter that you may be struggling with because there might be people in here that don't struggle with this sin area. Don't keep any sin a secret because your sin will grow in the dark. You keep it hidden. You got to talk to somebody about what sins are going on in your life. Now, you don't need to talk to everybody. We don't need to have like an open mic night where everybody comes up and confesses their sin. That would be kind of awkward. But find one person that you can be open and honest with and confess your sin to, as well as being able to confess your sin to God. Um, now, this might be a little different, but I'm going to do a little bit of a benediction tonight or a charge as you guys are going to go out. So uh, there's a passage here, 1 Thessalonians 4 through 3. So it says, For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality, that each one of you know how to control his own body in holiness and honor. Not in passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God, that no one transgress and wrong his brother in this matter, because the Lord is an avenger in all these things. As we told you beforehand and solemnly warned you, for God has not called us for impurity but in holiness. Therefore, whoever disregards this disregards not man but God, who gives his Holy Spirit to you. Let's close in prayer. Lord, I just want to thank you for this day. I just want to thank you for everything you give us. Lord, I pray that if there's anyone in this room who is struggling with this scenario, that they would just call out to you, Lord, because we know that you are faithful and just to forgive them, Lord, that you love them, you sent your son to die for them, and that you are here for them. Um, Lord, I pray that um, if there's anyone that is seeking accountability, that they'd be able to find that, um, and Lord, I just pray that we'd be able to grow and not hide our sin. Thank you for everything you give us in your son's holy name. Amen. Good night and thrive.